door, casting your bread on the water. Continue with that this morning. I believe God is going to touch us and help us. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 1. Cast your bread on the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you do not know what disaster may happen on the earth. Verse 4. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. And as you know the way the spirit comes to the bones of the womb of the woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning, sow your seed. At evening, withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, whether both alike will be good. Revelation 3 and verse 8. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door. No man can shut it. Amen. Why don't we pray and uh, trust the Lord to lead us and direct us. Father, this morning we thank you. This morning we thank you for what you have done. We thank you, God, for your spirit that has been felt here, your your word that is about to be delivered. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would help me to deliver what you have laid on my heart and that you would touch our hearts to receive it today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In a recent survey done by the United Pentecostal Church International, in fact, this survey was sent out uh, by a third-party company, a company that uh, specializes in statistics and surveys. Uh, the UPCI, Brother Bernard, our general superintendent, felt it was important to survey all the pastors of the UPCI in North America, and uh, this is U.S. and Canada, and, and give them some questions. I filled out the survey. I was part of this, giving a sense of the, our highest attendance, our average attendance, uh, the demographic spread of our congregation and the people coming, and how many people received the Holy Ghost, how many people were baptized, how many Bible studies were taught last year. And there was a number of questions that went through. And from the results, I just wanted to share this with you because I wanted to know I wanted you to know that the church you come to on Sunday morning is part of something a lot bigger than just what you see every week. So this was done by a third party group. This was not compiled by anybody at, at the United Pentecostal Church International headquarters, the church we're affiliated with, the, the organization we're affiliated with. Uh, Dr. David Bernard is actually a, a lawyer. He is uh, licensed in the bar to do uh, a lot of legal things. So when he does stuff like this, I, I trust him because he's he's very specific, very organized, very straightforward in his stuff. And so these numbers that came back from the survey, I'm just going to share share with you. Estimated attendance of our North American church is 611,000 people in 2022. 611,000 people attended United Pentecostal Church churches in 2022. 55,000 people received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues in 2022. Now you read in the book of Acts, this is just the UPCI. This is not, there's other organizations who pray for people to receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. There's other organizations who are gathering, and this is not counting them. This is just the survey done from the credentialed ministers of the United Pentecostal Church International. In the book of Acts, the largest revival that we see is on the day of Pentecost. 
3,000, and then a few days later, the Bible indicates there was a few more thousand that were added to the church. So you could estimate that on the day of Pentecost, or maybe on the, the month or the week of Pentecost, there was about five to 7,000 people that were baptized and filled in that span of time. That's a great revival, and I can't wait to see that kind of revival right here in Ajax. I believe God for that. But here are 55,000 souls just in North America in UPCI churches. There's other oneness organizations. There's other organizations that pray for people who receive the Holy Ghost. But that just tells you God is moving in this area. God is moving in this church. God is moving, praise God, in our local churches. Now, 65,000 people in 2022 were baptized in Jesus' name in just this year in North America. And that is wonderful. And I think we should clap and thank God for that. These are people who are deciding to follow Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 98,000 people were taught a Bible study last year in our churches right here in North America. 290,000 people visited a UPCI church for the first time in 2022. 290,000 people had never heard the apostolic message. They've never heard baptism in Jesus' name. They've never heard, perhaps, uh, there, there's probably a large portion of them that have never been to church ever in their lives, but God is moving on them to come and be part of what God is doing. And I'm very thankful for that. I'm very thankful for this, this uh, report of growth and that God is doing something in our church. This is our church. This, you know, we, we come here, we gather in a little, uh, I shouldn't say little, but a growing congregation. We, we come and we, we worship together here, but we are part of something greater. We are part of something that is spanning the globe. Uh, I'm, I'm doing my best to try to compile. It's a little bit more difficult to find the, the, the stats from Global Missions because, as I said, we're in something like 200 and something countries of the world. Uh, so knowing exactly how many people received the Holy Ghost and were baptized is maybe a little bit more challenging for them to collect that data. I'm doing my best to try to figure that out, and, and when I get it, uh, the opportunity to report that to you, I will because this is part of who we are as a church. This is our church. This is who we are as believers in Jesus. We are celebrating what God is doing Amen. across the world and in North America and what God is doing right here. And we have a part, an opportunity to be part of that. We have an opportunity to be part of this open door that God is, is putting forth in these last days. We don't know exactly when Jesus is going to return, but Jesus did give us a few signposts to kind of know how close we are to his coming and how, how soon his return is. And, and, and the Bible tells us there's all kinds of indicators in the scripture that should tell us you're getting a little closer to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And if you turn on the news, it won't be too much longer before you read and you find there's a connection to almost every one of those, those signposts that Jesus gave his church and said, when you see these things, you just know my return is drawing near. And I also know that God wants every soul that can be saved to be saved. Amen. The Bible says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I believe in this hour God is putting the call on his church to be the church that he established, that he ordained, to walk through the open doors that he will 
give us in these last days. Amen. As Pentecostal Lighthouse Churches, this local congregation, we exist to love God, to love others, to, to grow in our faith in Jesus Christ, to connect with one another because we cannot do it alone, and to go into the world and teach all nations to be disciples and to follow after Jesus. Jesus gave us indications in the scripture, and, and he made comparisons. He would do teaching. He would talk about the sower and the seed. And he would use the common vernacular of the people that he was around, like farming analogies. And he would say, you know, the, the sower went out to sow, and he cast some seed, and it fell on hard ground, and, and stony ground, and weedy ground, and good ground. And Jesus made the comparison that the word of God was the seed. The sower was the preacher of God's word. And the seed that fell into the ground represented the people that heard the message. That when the preacher would go and preach, some ground would receive the word and would produce fruit and grow and be wonderful. Some would receive the word, but through after trials and temptations, they would wither with the heat of that trial, much like the sun withered the the seed that grew, fell on shallow soil. And then there was, there was those who would receive the word, but the cares of life, the deceitfulness of riches, would choke out the word of God. The things of this world would, would grow up like a weed in their life and would, would smother the nutrient level of that word and, and their ability to absorb and produce fruit. And then there was some who would be completely resistant to the word. The seed would literally sit on them like on pavement. And the birds of the air, like the devil, would come and swoop down and take away the good thing of God's word so it could not even grow in a little bit of soil. Mm. And Jesus said, that's the hearts of people. But it did, he didn't say anything to the farmer about be careful where you throw the seed. Right. In that parable, Jesus never said someone, the foreman came along and said, now son, you got to throw the seed only on good soil. Right, amen. Jesus never turned around to his disciples and said, Now, boys, you want to avoid the hard ground. You want to avoid the weedy ground. You want to avoid the stony ground. Discriminate yourself. Figure out where they're at. And then only give the good ground the seed of my word. No, Jesus made it clear that the casting of his word, the spreading of his word was to be done regardless of the receptiveness of the people that were listening. If they received it, great. They were like the good soil that produced 30, 40, 60, 100 times of the seed that went into that ground. But the seed that was hard, the, the ground that was hard, the ground that was stony, the ground that was weedy, still received the word and the testimony of God's people right. in their life, regardless of their heart condition. Amen. It's not up to you, and it's not up to me to discriminate who gets to hear the message of, of hope. It's not up to you, and it's not up to me to look at somebody and say, no, sorry, they, they, they don't look like they can be saved. No, they, they're, they're too strung out on drugs. No, they're too, they're too uh, messed up. No, they're, they're of a different nationality. I don't even think they'll understand. They already go to another church. They, already, they're already, they said they're part of another religion. They're already part of a faith. I can't possibly witness to them. I don't want to offend them. Jesus made it very clear that the casting of the seed still yes, needs to happen. The sowing of that seed still needs to happen. Amen. And so the harvest, the Bible makes an analogy, Jesus makes the analogy, that the fruit of the harvest in John 4.36, the fruit of the harvest is the people that are brought into eternal life. 
In another passage of scripture, Paul made it clear. Apollos planted, I watered, and God gave the increase. Apollos planted, I watered, and God gave the increase. There's three elements to this harvest of souls. When someone comes into the kingdom, there's three basic steps to that, 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 that soul coming to faith in Christ. Someone sows the seed of God's word. Someone through their life example, through their testimony, through their witness of Jesus and his word, sows a little bit of seed of God's word in the heart of that individual. And another person comes along and waters that seed, fertilizes that seed, cares for that tender plant as it is budding and growing. But ultimately, it's God who gives the increase of those things. You say, why does it, God is so big and powerful, why doesn't he just do it himself? Because God loves to work with broken things and bring them together. I believe God uses crooked people to draw straight lines. I believe God uses broken people to bring healing into the lives of others. I believe God uses people with issues and problems and shortcomings and, and, and insecurities and weaknesses to bring about his eternal purpose in the earth. Why? So that no flesh, the Bible says, could ever glory in the presence of God. What does it mean to glory? It means to boast, to shine. Nobody is supposed to stand in God's presence and go, see, look at me, look what I did. Right. Oh, see, we can say, I planted, so and so Garfield watered, but God is the one who made it come to pass. Right. Yeah, I can take credit for my garden at home, right? I can say, I planted the tomato seeds, and I watered the tomato seeds, well, my kids watered the tomato seeds, and then I planted it in the ground, but I had nothing to do with the DNA and the how how that tiny little seed became a giant tomato plant right. and actually produced tomatoes. I couldn't do any of that. That's right. I couldn't make any of that. I can't, I can't. It blows my mind how a giant plant comes from a tiny little seed. That's the work of God. That's the work of God. And so you say, well, pastor, I can't witness. I can't preach. I can't teach. I can't do this. I can't do that. All you have to do is sow a seed. All you have to do is water the seed in some way and it's not going to be perfect you're probably going to mess it up you're probably going to put the seed in the wrong spot that's okay it's God who gives the increase God does the work amen amen so what does Ecclesiastes 11 1 says cast your bread on the waters talked about this last week I'm going to review it for, for, for you again here this morning what is the bread that he's talking about it's not loaves of bread for those of you that are here you got to to play catch with me, I threw rolls of bread out to the audience. I don't have any today. You had to be here last week. Sorry if you missed it. They were fresh rolls right from the bakery. Threw them right out to the audience. Some of you were snapping on it through my message. Kept you awake. I should probably do that every week. Wow. <laughs> so, so it wasn't talking about real bread. It was talking about seed. Because for farmers, they have two kinds of grain seed. They have their planting seed for next year. But then they have their bread seed. The bread seed or the bread grain, corn, wheat, barley, rice, is the seed that they eat. It's the grain that they turn into bread. And so in this scripture, 
the, 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 the writer of Ecclesiastes is most likely Solomon, is saying there's, there's certain times of the year, there's certain seasons that come along that they're extra plentiful. The river overflows with water and, and it saturates the ground in a unique way that's not common to every single year. So cast your bread seed upon the water because this is a year of bounty. This is a year of extra. This is a year of, uh, dare I say, increase or growth or, 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 or God is just, there's something in the atmosphere, there's something in the climate that says the rivers are overflowing and there's extra nutrients available. So take the seed you would normally use for bread and plant it in the ground because it's going to give you an abundant harvest on the next round. Because for every grain of seed that is sown, maybe a hundred grains come off of that one seed. So if you, if you just plant your normal planting, you're just going to get the normal amount. But you're going to have wasted this opportunity because the rivers have overflowed their banks. So, so the writer of Ecclesiastes says, cast your bread seed upon the water. Take, on this special occasion, take what you normally would have saved for yourself. Take what you would have normally used for you and your family. To make that extra cake or that extra bread or that extra thing and, and, and cut your budget down for personal use and throw it back onto the ground and plant it because it's going to give you an extra harvest this time. Then he says it in, in verse 2 another way. He says, give a portion to seven, even to eight. Find seven different ways to get this seed out into the ground. Find eight different ways. Find, find a new plot of land. Seven plots of land. No, no, no. Actually, cut down some trees and make a new farm field. Get an eighth plot of land out there and get the seed in the ground because this is an extra season. This is an extra thing. This is a word God has laid on my heart for this church for this next few months of this year of 2023. That in the last few months of 2023... When it's typically harvest season, it's a fall now. All the planting is done. But in the spirit, we're going to do some spiritual seed planting. We're going to do some spiritual seed planting. What kind of seed planting are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about the seed planting like I am global. Where we, this is an offering we've never done before. And this is something we've never tried. And, and I, I, we're not going to take from another thing we're already committed to and 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 make that less and then give no we're gonna we're gonna cast our bread on the water this year we're gonna cast our bread on the water we're gonna take a little extra that we would normally have reserved for ourselves i'm gonna take a little extra that i would have normally reserved for me and for my bread and for my home and i'm gonna put it in an envelope and i'm gonna send it overseas to help some missionary get back on the field faster why i'm trying to cast my bread on the water. God gave me an indication. He woke me up early one morning and gave me this scripture, cast your bread on the water. I had heard, I was at the global mission service and I had felt led to, to pledge for this, for this offering. And I said, God, I don't know this, you know, I don't want to, to burden our people too much. And I don't want to go home and tell them, okay, you know, give in your regular offering because we got to keep these lights on and we got to keep this church going. On, on top of your regular giving, on your regular tithing, 
Uh, I, I want them to give to I Am Global, okay? But God, you know that we're trying to also put a food drive together for, for refugee families that are, uh, our city's in a refugee crisis where a motel down the street is full of refugees from Africa, from South America, from uh, Afghanistan, from Ukraine, and they're just living on a shoestring budget that the government's given. We want to do something for them. Lord, we're going to do that. And then uh, number four, we're going to be giving to a missionary that's going to come the end of November. We booked them months ago. And on top of that, Lord, we, we always give to Christmas for Christ because we want to help start new churches in North America. We want to help start. So this five things, God, how, how is this church going to give to five different things in three months? That's a lot to ask, God. And the Lord laid that scripture on my heart. Cast your bread on the water. Because in, if you cast your bread on the water... I'm going to give it back to you Hallelujah. in due season. He Amen. says, you'll, you'll receive it. Something will grow. After many days, you're going to find it. Now, pastor is not preaching a prosperity doctrine. Hear me now. I am not into prosperity doctrine. Where you give and you sow your seed. You hear him on the TV. You sow your seed into this ministry. And God's going to just, you know, you're going to find a miracle, yeah. miracle yeah. offering yeah. In, your, in your bank account. I don't believe that. I believe God can do that. Yes. But I don't I don't give to receive. Amen. Right. I'm, this isn't about giving to receiving. This is about giving to see a harvest. Hallelujah. Not a personal harvest for me. I, I don't need an extra paycheck in my account. I would like that. That would be nice. I have plans for like what I what I could do with that money. We dream every once in a while. What would we do if we got a million dollars? Oh, we'd pay off the mortgage. We'd put a renovation on the house. We we do this. We do that. You know, we give to this. We give to that. Blah blah blah. All these little dreams. Yes, more money is nice, and I I'm happy to receive it. But that's not my motive for giving. Amen. Because ultimately, money's going to come in my hands. It's going to go out my hands. It's just money. But if someone can be saved from the money that I put into the kingdom, if a soul can hear the message of hope that was about to commit suicide, if someone who was about to end their life could hear a message of hope and stay the gun, put down the needle, give up the joint, throw down the addiction, hear the gospel for the first time, re renounce a false God, and believe in the one true living God. If someone, because of the seed that I put in the envelope, that little money that I give to help that missionary get back onto the field, or that, 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 that preacher start a new church in North America, if I can give to that and support that in some way, and someone come into the kingdom for God. That's the harvest of Amen. Amen. Right. The return I'm looking for is not money in my account. It's not a prosperity for me. But it's so that the kingdom of Jesus can be advanced. And those who are homeless and hopeless and hurting in our even in our own city right. can find hope. Next week you're going to hear how we're going to start something else. We're talking to I Am Global today. Last week and today we're talking to I Am Global. Next week we're going to, I'm going to put down I Am Global and, and trust that you're going to let the Lord lead you to give towards that and just put it in your offer. Make your pledge. Make your commitment today. You can write it down say, I pledge by December 15th. I'm going to have this, this in. I want to give to I Am Global. The next week we're going to start up something new. We're going to talk about a food drive. Reaching our refugees. We're going to talk more about that. You'll get to hear more about that. What God is laying on our heart. How God has opened doors. Literally, I, I can't tell you the coincidences. I don't believe in coincidences. 
that God has literally put me in the path of people to answer my questions and lead me to this point where we're going to reach into this community of people that need to hear the gospel. But before I close this morning, I just wanted to remind you, I wanted to remind you of Jesus' mission for the church. In his final words, people often say, you know, have you ever, have you ever had a fight with someone and they, right before they leave the room, they say one more thing? They get that last word in and you're just like, ooh, I want to have the last word. And you yell something out, I'm, I'm, so you can have the last word, right? There's something about, I want to have the last word. <laughs> I don't know if you know it. I know lots about that. I'm just saying, I'm guilty of wanting to have the last word. I feel like if I had the last word, then I, that, that makes me special somehow. And then I realize later on, it just made me look foolish. Um, but but there's, there's something impressive about someone having the last word, maybe not in that context, but in a good context, you know, where they, there's that old expression, oh, drop the mic. You know, they, they say something like just really mind-blowing, and then they just put the mic down and walk away, and everyone's like, oh, that was, that was good. That was cool. You know, like, it's fun to watch sometimes the parliament sessions, you know, and 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 then they they're always someone's always trying to get that last word in. They're all trying to sometimes they say something really clever and I was like, whoa, yeah, that was really good. And then someone else says something really clever, whoa, that was really good too. Wow, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. But Jesus had some last words to say to his church that were extremely important. And if you look at it, what what Bible commentators call the Great Commission. And you can read it in every the end of every gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in Acts, Acts chapter 1, gives you Luke's perspective of Jesus' great commission. And every one of them is just a little bit different, but they all have similar themes. Because, I mean, if you've ever played, uh, you know, tried to relay a message from one person to another... And then the other person who also heard that message says it. There's there's sometimes missing pieces and maybe the order isn't the same, but the general message is there. That's what happened in, in, in the Gospels. So if you look at Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came to them and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Conclusion. Mark records it like this. Same setting, same setup, same location, same message. But he said it a little differently. Mark records it like this. He said, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world. There's the common theme, all the world. And preach the gospel to every creature. Now, Matthew said teach. Mark said preach. Well, which one is it? It's both and. That's right. Yes. We teach and preach. Teach is disciple, where you bring someone along, and the old adage is, you watch me do it, you do it with me, I watch you do it, you do it alone. Mm -hmm. That's the teaching method of discipling. And, and, and then there's preaching. Preaching is different because it's proclamation. It's declaring this is the truth. Walk in it. My great-great-grandfather, 
came from Sweden on my mom's side. And uh, he and his wife were going from church to church. His father in the 1800s received the Holy Ghost after a prayer meeting at a camp in Sweden. And his family disowned him. They actually, they had somewhat of a funeral and pretended as if he was dead. They completely disowned him and, and wrote him off. So he immigrated from Sweden to North America. His daughter and her husband came with him and when they arrived in North America, he got very sick and he on his, what he thought was his deathbed, he ended up living a number of years later, said to his daughter, you need to go find a church that preaches about speaking in other tongues and receiving the Holy Ghost. Because according to him, he said, this experience was so real to me, you're not a real Christian if you've never had this experience. This is what he told my great-grandmother, mm. Sister Lundquist. Her and her husband went from church to church, visiting around, until they finally landed at a church in St. Paul, Minnesota, called Midway Tabernacle, pastored by S.G. Norris, one of the founders of the United Pentecostal Church. She was part of that whole group that set the UPCI up. And uh, A. Andrew Urshan, who was a Persian uh, from Iraq, was preaching in that service. And... Uh, I wish I could share, you, share with you stories about Andrew Urshan. It will make you weep and cry on the floor. The miracles that God did in his life, phenomenal. In the middle of his message, stopped preaching and began to speak in perfect Swedish to my great-grandparents as they walked in the building and said, this is the truth, walk in it. And they said, okay. So they just came in and sat down. They were Swedish. They thought he knew Swedish, and he knew that they were Swedish, so he just told them to sit down and listen to his message. They went up after him after service and began to speak to him in Swedish. And, of course, he's Persian, doesn't speak Swedish, probably spoke broken English, and didn't know a single thing of what they were saying. And that confirmed to them that this message of a uh, uh, baptism in Jesus' name, receiving the Holy Ghost, and walking in holiness and the fear of the Lord was the truth. God had literally spoke to them through a message in tongues that was directly given to them. What is that? That's proclaiming truth. Amen. That's preaching. When the preaching, you need both teaching and preaching to couple together to do the work of God. And, and so Jesus said, you've got to preach the gospel to every creature. And in verse 16, he said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's right. He that believeth not shall be damned. Same message Jesus said in Matthew, just a little different. Same wording. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. If you are going to call yourself a believer, then these signs are going to follow you if you believe. Amen. And they will follow you. Amen. It's a confirmation, a promise. Something you can take to the bank, you can take to God, and like a lawyer, lay out your case before the Lord and say, Lord, this is what your word says. I expect you to come true on your promises. I believe and God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. You will speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Of course, we understand that means by accident, and you can see precedent for that later on in the scripture when Paul had a snake bite him, but it did not kill him, and it, con it converted an entire island of people to the gospel. 
So after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up in heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Luke 24, 46, continuing this trend of the Great Commission. He said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Verse 47, Repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations. There's the all nations piece. Mm -hmm. Beginning at Jerusalem. Ye are witnesses of these things, and behold, I send the promise of the Father to you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Now, if you're a scholar of Scripture, you'll know that Luke and Acts are the same book. Right. They're, they're divided by church historians. They're divided by biblical scholars. But they're actually part one, part two of the same author, and they were meant to be written as an entire whole. Not They were not meant to be divided, but they were. Here we are. So Acts is actually part two of the book of Luke. Right. So Acts continues in Acts chapter 1. But ye shall receive power, verse 8, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And these are the words of Jesus. Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. There's the all nations piece again. Right. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. So Jesus, in every one of these cases, preached repentance, baptism, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, teaching and preaching the gospel to every nation, to every creature, to every individual. What is the mission of the church? It's to do these things that Jesus has called the church, not the pastor, not the ministry leaders, but you. Those of you that are sitting in red chairs today, you are the ones that are called of God. I know we put a lot in this age on, I need a calling from the Lord. I need a calling from God. God, I don't know what my calling is. What am I supposed to do with my life? God, I don't want to know what calling is. People fast and pray, and I think that's all great to pray and ask God what your calling is, who you're called to. But before you get God's big call on your life of where you're supposed to be at the end, why don't you start doing the things he's already called you to do in his word, and that's to preach the gospel to every culture, teach to every nation, baptize, pray people through to the Holy Ghost, speak in tongues yourself, lay hands on the sick according to Mark, and they shall, the Bible says, recover. Don't do it thinking, what if they don't get healed? Pray in faith. God said it in his word. If I lay hands and pray on them, they shall recover. May not be instantaneously, they might, but it will happen. God promised it. I'm going to do it. Amen. John chapter 20. John concludes his gospel in chapter 20. And Jesus said, Peace be unto you, as even my Father has sent me, even though I send you. When he had said this to them, he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whoever sins ye remit, they are remitted, and whoever sins ye retain, they are retained. And what John is indicating here is the last words of Jesus. Jesus said, I want you to do two things. Receive the Holy Ghost and help people get remission for their sins. The mission of Jesus for the church can be summed up in these short sentences. Be filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And be led by the Spirit. Go into all the world, witness, teach, preach the gospel to every nation and every person, evangelize people, and give the good news of Jesus to them. Number three, signs will accompany your belief. You will speak with new tongues. You will lay hands on people, and they will recover. You will pray, and demons will flee. 
You will pray over people's lives and those spirits that have kept them bound in that addiction, bound in that pattern. And I don't mean they're always going to be a dramatic, frothing, writhing on the floor kind of Hollywood style exorcism. I've seen people receive deliverance in seconds and nobody fell on the floor. Nobody was anything. I was at a general conference when I was 18 or 19 years old. And a man stumbled into that service. It was the altar call. He was as drunk as you could imagine, stumbling all over the place. He was not clothed. Well, I assumed that he was not doing well for himself. But he had found his way into this service. And the, the smell of alcohol on him was so strong, people were literally parting the way as he stumbled in to that, that service. And he just kind of stood there and was kind of swaying back and forth, didn't know what he was doing. And I just went over to put my hand on his shoulder as a 19-year-old kid. I said, can I pray with you? Is there anything you want to do? He said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll pray. I'll pray, yeah, I'll pray. And I just began to pray a simple prayer. It wasn't anything dramatic or fancy, but his eyes were glassy and they cleared up instantly like that. The drunkenness left him immediately. And it shocked me. It kind of startled me. I, I mean, I believed, but I didn't know if I really believed. Amen. Mm. God took my broken belief and still delivered a man from his drunken stupor. He stood up straight and looked around like, how did I get here? And he kind of looked at me and I said, it's okay. Do you still want me to pray with you? He said, well, yes. The slur was gone. The smell of alcohol dissipated. What happened there? A believer laid hands on, God recovered him, and delivered him from a spirit of, uh, of whatever was, was oppressing him and pushing him down in that moment. What happened to him after that, I don't know. Again, I was a young 19-year-old kid. If I had the mind of a 38-year-old, I would have connected him to a pastor and helped him after that because uh, service is a service, but you need to be discipled. Right. But I saw it. It wasn't dramatic. Now, sometimes it's dramatic. So those of you that are maybe from countries where, where demon possession is, is a very demonstrative and real thing. But in North America, it doesn't always happen that way. And so what am I saying? It doesn't take a lot. But just a step of faith that says, can I pray with you? God wants to do something in your life. Signs should follow believers. Not follow them in church. Follow them on the street where you work where you buy groceries, where you live. You would speak with new tongues. According to Jesus, he wanted his church to have a demonstration of the Spirit in their lives. Healings, tongues, deliverances. God wants that kind of thing to be a commonplace element in our services. Heal the sick. Confirming the word that is preached. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. That doesn't mean baptizing them in that title form. That means baptizing them in the actual name of the Father, and the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit, which is Jesus. Amen. How do I know that that's Jesus? Because every person in the New Testament that was ever baptized, every example you find in Scripture, every single time they go down the waters in Jesus' name. Amen. Because Jesus is the name of the Father. Oh, yeah. Jesus is the yeah. Jesus is the name oh, of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And that is proven in Scripture. And that's what Jesus said to his disciples. Go and do this. So on the day of Pentecost, when the, when they looked at Peter and said, what shall we do? Peter said, well, get baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. 
For the remission of your sins. So that your sins are washed away. So that your sins are, are completely remitted. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now Paul ran into a group of people in Ephesus. Acts 19. Who had been baptized another way. They were baptized into John's baptism. And Paul congratulated them. He thanked God for them. And for their experience, because it was for repentance. And anybody that gets baptized in any other way other than in the name of Jesus, if they're doing it in faith, they're doing it for repentance and to draw closer to God. And I celebrate that. I rejoice with that. And I thank God with that. But I also echo the voice of Paul that said to, to John's disciples, mm -hmm. now that you've been baptized in John's baptism, that's great. But now you need to be baptized in Jesus' name Amen. because your sins need to come under the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. After all, it was Jesus who was crucified for you. Amen. It's his blood that was shed for you. And the scripture says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, there is no other name under heaven, Acts 4.12, given among men whereby we must be saved. Salvation comes through the name of Jesus. This is what Jesus has called his church to do. And I'm praying and believing that I'm not going to be the only one baptizing people in the waters. If you go to the trouble of teaching somebody a Bible study, I'm going to give you the honor to baptize them in the name of Jesus. Amen, because amen. you're the one that taught the Bible study. You're the one that brought them to the truth. It's you that should give the honor to put them under the water in Jesus' name. Because that's what they did in the book of Acts. Don't tell me it was Peter, Paul, and John who did all the baptizing on the day of Pentecost. No way could three people baptize 3,000 people on that day of Pentecost. But it was all 120 of them that were in the upper room that did the baptizing. If you do the math and take account five minutes per person, it would take roughly four to five hours for 120 people to baptize 3,000 individuals. That's doable. And God can do it here in this church. There could be an exponential revival in this city that no building in the city of Ajax could hold or contain because that's what it was like in the book of Acts. There wasn't a building big enough to hold what God wanted to do. What are you doing, Pastor? You're kind of all over the place. I know. That's because there's an open door and there's a bit of urgency and there's a bit of, man, we got to get the bread on the water. we got to get the seed in the field because there's a season in which God has flooded the rivers. And he's ready for us to get out into the city and out into the streets and get the message to those who need to hear it. Amen. We are going to do some things as a church. You can help us with I Am Global. You can help us with, with Christmas for Christ. You can help us with your tithes and offerings. You can help with, with, with the food bank idea we're going to do to reach the refugees, people who are fleeing trauma and terrible things in their home country and coming to Canada and literally left with whatever clothes they had on their back when they left their nation and they arrived here on, on Canadian soil. And I know there's lots of back and forth on what the government should do and how much they should let in and why are they doing this. It's our tax dollars. I don't. That's not really the point. The point is there's people in need that are literally down the street from our church that are living in a hotel with their family on $300 a month to, to buy their groceries from the government and have no way to get to and from appointments and try to get jobs. Some of them are engineers, some of them are licensed mechanics, but they can only find burger-type flipping jobs 
And, and as you know, it's pretty impossible to, to pay rent on the, that kind of a budget. So here they are. Whatever their reason for being here, whatever the, however they got in, they're in. And they're here. And God only knows that if we reach some of these people, who knows if they're from a country that can't have preachers come to that country to preach the gospel. But if while they're here in Ajax, they hear the gospel, they get saved, they get baptized, maybe they could start a Zoom group with people back home and start a church over Zoom. It's happened before. God can do it again. What am I trying to say? I want to be part of the open door. I want to be part of the open door. I want to be part of the open door. Can we just pray right now? Would you just bow your head and begin to talk to the Lord? There's a, a presence of the Lord that is here today in a special way. Maybe you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name. I mean, this is the first time you're really hearing this. This Wow, I, I'd love to talk to you about it more if you need to. Or here is water. What doth hinder you to be baptized in his name? We could do it this morning. We can do it this afternoon. We can do it this week sometime. I don't know where you're at. And, but I'm just calling on somebody. Would you would you make a step towards your walk with God? But maybe, maybe you need a little push to get out of the boat and start sowing some seeds somewhere in your life. And maybe, yes, you can give to these things. But is there somebody in your neighborhood? Is there somebody on your street? that God would lead you to, to share a testimony with, to share a prayer with, to pray with them. Maybe someone you know is sick and isn't getting well. Maybe you could just exercise a little faith and do the crazy thing and go and lay hands on them and pray. In Jesus' name, I pray this person to be healed right now. In Jesus' name. What if it doesn't happen, Pastor? What if they aren't healed? Leave that in God's hands. But is there someone that's willing to get some seed in the ground? Cast your bread on the water this morning. Cast your bread on the water. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.